Hey, hey, it's John Goldman, and you're listening to Johnny Secret Stash. You're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country. That's WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. I'm very happy to introduce today a, um, a legend, a true legend in, the, in rock history, he uh, first started playing with his first band and, and his present band, Ides of March, in 1964. Uh, they took a little break. He, uh, he formed a band called the Pride of Lions. Uh, and in, prior to that, he uh, founded and was one of the members of Survivor. So he is going to be uh, on the phone with me today. I'm looking forward to talking with him. And I wanted to play with you one of the Ides of March's uh, biggest hits. It's Vehicle from 1970. Here we go. Inside my car, I got pictures, got candy. I'm a lovable man, and I can take you to the nearest star. I'm your vehicle, baby. I'll take you anywhere you wanna go. I'm your vehicle, woman. By now, I'm sure you know that I love you, that I need you, need you. I want you, got to have you tried. Great God in heaven, you know I love. That was Jim Peterick 
and Ides of March from their 1970 album, Vehicle. And looking forward to talking with Jim. He's just going to be on the phone in just a minute, and we're coming right back to, to talk with him. And I'm here with Jim Peterick. Peter, uh, Jim, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, good to talk to you, man. Yeah, you too. So um, I'm very excited that you guys are playing, Ides of March are playing at the Acorn Theater on uh, the 22nd. That's um, this coming Saturday. That's uh, And it's not your first time playing at the Acorn, as, uh, no. as I understand. Hell no. Uh, we love that place. Yeah, that it really is a, a, a treasure, really. I mean, um, and I hear that all the time. You know, people are always talking about how they like the acorn. And uh, is it just the intimacy, the, the sound? I mean, it seems like, you know, there's there's both of those things going on. Well, there's more than that. You know, I mean, the, the management's always great. The, the catering is great. <laughs> Um, but the vibe is great, and the yeah. audience has come there to listen. Uh, well, one time we had a rowdy guy, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. That happens, and we don't mind that. But usually, it's a listening audience. You which, know, uh, yeah, that's you know, uh, that's the way I have pictured it too. It's a listening audience. People are there to to hear the music. They're not, you know, clinking their glasses and and uh, you know <laughs> talking amongst themselves. So. I'm I'm well, glad to hear that from you. Yeah, very very much, and we always pack the place, and we love when that curtain draws to see all the people and all the smiling faces. It it it, it enhances our our performance, obviously. Yeah, you know, we're well, there to we're there to entertain. Yeah, I mean, you guys are a treasure. Right? You, the Ides of March have been around since 1964. And you were 14 years old when you formed it with your fellow bandmates. That must that's have been quite a uh, quite a feat at that time. Well, that's right. I mean, we didn't realize that we were going to be around in in, in 2023. You know, but uh, we were just learning, you know, the the Beatles songs and the Ventures songs and. Here and there, we'd slip in an original before anyone noticed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and the and the first big hit was "You Wouldn't Listen," and uh, that was in in '66. Uh -huh. And and then we became a sensation, especially in, in the Midwest. Uh, but then it wasn't until 1970 when we had our breakthrough and had a worldwide hit called "Vehicle." Of course, of course. And that uh, that song has been all over the place. I was just noticing that it's on the uh, Ozark official playlist. Of course, it you know it was. I think was it number one at the time. I mean, it was a big song, yeah. and it's being on all kinds well, it depends, of. It depends what chart. Sure, uh, we were number one in Cashbox, number two in Billboard. Uh, 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 held out of first place by American Woman. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was you know, a good one too. But yeah, that was a good one too. But yeah, those are that was a good time for music, and we were touring with Led Zeppelin, Janis Joplin, Grateful Dead, uh, Brownsville Station, on and on and on. Africa, remember uh, Africa Brandy by Rhinoceros? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, funny, funny stuff. So that must have been amazing to uh, open for Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and and uh, the Grateful Dead. Um, what was it like to, you know, tour with those guys or were they one off stops or, you know, did you actually tour with some of those guys? Well, um, you know, 
Almond Brothers, we we basically toured with. You wow. Know? Um, but most of them were, were one-offs. Led Zeppelin was a one-off, um, and um, Hendrix was a one-off. Uh, part of no, Hendrix was part of a festival. That's right. Oh, uh, right, right. And uh, but every every kind of format we played it, and uh, the Grateful Dead. They always played too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at one time, uh, you know, they played so long we had to cut vehicle at the end of the set. I was really, really upset about it. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that's right. You mentioned festival. You guys were at the um, Festival Express. You were on yes. that train. Yes. I, I love that movie. I mean, that documentary with uh, Janice and... and uh, oh. Buddy Guy was on that one, and oh my God, yeah, we uh, ended up at at the at the last last show of the, of the train fest, and just everybody was there, and I ended up walking Janis Joplin back to her hotel room because she was too uh, inebriated. Um, that, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was a, a, a tortured soul, really. You know, it was really quite sad. I, I think she died like within six months of that that festival. That, that's uh, correct. Like a, about October of that same year. Yeah, that I'm was. Uh, yeah, I'm glad she didn't die as I was walking her home. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, and so you guys were on the train and everything, and uh, at each one of the shows uh, along the Festival Express. Well, most of them. Most uh-huh. of them. We, right, right. We weren't on the whole route, but, uh, you know, we were here and there, and then the, the big show at the end. Yeah. Uh, and that um, that was 71, I want to say. And yeah. uh, so, you know, that they, they kind of booked that, or they talked about that as being like, well, Woodstock was great for the fans, but Festival Express was great for the musicians, you know, all hanging out on the train and jamming in the in the dining car and, and things like that. Yeah, it was quite quite a, an experience. Uh, you know, uh, they the, the movie on it, um, like I said, it was one of my favorites. And, and uh, the, the producer of that whole festival talked about how, you know, he, they at first wanted the train to travel from west to east, and he made a big deal about that. No, no, no. Ever, you know, go west, young man. You know, the manifest yeah. destiny. And you know, he was real metaphoric about the the whole setup I, of the I thing. Th- I think he was he was right about that. Go west, young man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, we tell a lot of the stories, you know, uh, on stage, um, and you know, the acorn, like I said, is a listening room, and uh, we get to, um, you know, tell a few stories between songs, which is. I think the people really like to hear that. It it makes the music even better, I think. Oh, yeah, to, to give it some... You know, everyone's heard a lot of your songs, you know? Uh, obviously, Vehicle, Eye of the Tiger, um, you know, some of those 38 special songs that you co-wrote. You know, those are, those are in the common lexicon. People are well aware of those songs. And so to hear them live on stage and have you give some background on it, it, you know, just creates such an excitement for the show. Well, it, it uh, does for us, too. I mean, I'm blessed to have a band as good as the odds and as accepting of my history uh, because, you know, after the odds, of course, was was basically Survivor. And we knew a, a lot of the big songs by Survivor. And, uh, you know, also the songs I wrote with Sammy Hagar, 
like heavy metal and we do that and we do burning heart from rocky four that uh was not as popular as eye of the tiger but of course we always end the show with vehicle and then we get it on if we get an encore and god, god willing <laughs> uh we come back with with eye of the tiger and i've been doing this thing at the beginning of the song which i won't mention uh, it's nothing re- regarding like taking off clothing or anything but <laughs> I get, on guitar i do something that i haven't done and i did it the other night and i i forgot how cool it is I'm not going to give it away, but you'll you'll be there. Okay, so. all right. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, you know, playing with all these all these various musicians, all these periods of time. You know, what kind of things did you pick up from the particular musicians? Well, uh, you know, I, I used to watch the bands. Uh, you know, before we went on with them, either we were opening for them or closing. And, you know, from the Allman Brothers, we really learned the art of jamming. You know, oh, yeah. They would go on um, and inter- the intertwine the guitars and, and the Hammond organ, you know, Greg on, on organ and right. going on guitar. And that guitar, the, the jamming or music weaving, as I like to call it, uh, we picked a, a lot up from them. From them. I think we, we we picked up something from every every band we played with, including humor. Like Brownsville Station was an, a, a Cubby Cota was a, a comedian at the same time as a a great guitar player, and we we realized that keeping it light at times in a set is really important. So we picked a lot of stuff up along the way. Yeah, well, you mentioned you know jamming with Almond Brothers, and that is one of my kind of favorite topics, you know, uh, yeah. because I, I recognize that you, you know, you write these songs, it's a, it's a fixed environment. You get to go over it, you get to review it and finalize a, a final song. But when you're on stage and you're jamming, you are creating on the fly and, right. and it just, it just flows. I mean, that is truly being in the zone and, uh, there's not too many, you know, too many things that people do in their regular life where you are, you know, purely in the in the zone like you are when um, you're playing. And then, you know, certainly when you're creating on the fly like that with the jamming. And yeah, I just you're, you're, so impressed. You're right. With yeah. Well, we, we learned that art, um, you know, touring with like the Allman Brothers and good Lord, we learned so much from them. And when we uh, on our first album, the Ides of March, first album uh, called uh, Vehicle, we did an extended version of uh, Eleanor Rigby, and uh, that reflects that influence. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, so you guys started your band in in uh, 1964. You were 14. Were the other band members all the same age? I mean, you went to uh, yeah, high school together. We we did. Uh, I was the youngest. I was 14. Uh, Larry and Bob and Mike, uh, no, Larry and Bob were 15 and Mike Borch was 16. Um, but man, we didn't know how young we were. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing sometimes, you know, to, to go out there and just, and just do it because you, you felt like you had to. And regardless of how old you are, I mean, that's, that's pretty brave. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, we were very influenced originally by the ventures. Then the Beatles came along and suddenly the ventures are old school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we wanted to be a, a British invasion band and a, 
our first song, You Wouldn't Listen, was kind of a combination of the Kinks meets Curtis Mayfield. And, uh, man, we still play that song. And we still do the steps that we did when we were 16. Oh, man, that's great. Did, um, did you guys all write those songs together, those early songs? We arranged them together, but I was I was the main songwriter. Uh huh. Uh, you know, Larry Larry would help out on, on some of the songwriting. Uh, you wouldn't listen is actually you know credited to me and Mike Borch and Larry Millis. Um, and but I was the, I was the charging charging bull on the writing side. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's early to to start writing music. It's early to start being able to play music, and and here you are writing your own music at the time. <laughs> Uh, you know, what, um, were you influenced by, uh, I guess, well, you mentioned the Beatles and, um, were those some of your early influences or were there other ones? Well, I, I call it the three B's, the Beatles, Burt Backrack, and what's the third one? Beach Boys. Oh, wow. Yeah. All the B's, you uh-huh. know, uh, and I mean, growing up, it was Elvis Presley. You know, I'm, sure. I'm 72, so I was right there when one of my sisters brought home the, the little 45s, <laughs> like Heartbreak Hotel and Jailhouse Rock, and stack them up on the RCA Victor uh, spindle. I was going crazy. I had a guitar with Elvis on, on, in, in, in tape, masking tape that my mother put on it. <laughs> I mean, I was That's great. crazy about rock and roll at, at a very, very young age. And sounds like your mom was very supportive of it, and you know, taping oh, up and your... Oh, my dad, yeah. who was a musician. I mean, he adjusted relays at, at the telephone company, but by weekend, he was a weekend warrior with a, a great, basically, polkas and standards called the Hi-Hatters, and they had their own stands. And oh, I used, wow. Once I learned how to play sax, that was my first instrument. I would sneak behind the bandstand and, and play along with them, you know. So I, I was blessed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, you know, part of it came just from genes and part of it came from the hard work that you guys put in. D- exactly. Did you take lessons when you were growing up? Uh, uh, I tried not to, but I did take two years of piano. Uh-huh. And hated playing scales and <laughs> mr mr albrecht smells like smelled like mint and cigarettes and i didn't <laughs> like him either yeah uh, but mostly self-taught on guitar i still can't read a note of music on guitar i can read a chord chart sure sure don't, don't give me a bunch of those little dots yeah right well you play uh keyboards too sometimes don't you yeah oh yeah yeah and, and uh same thing i play by ear i, I know the keyboard but, you know, I can't play a piano solo to save my life. I can play a guitar solo, <laughs> but not a piano solo. Why do you think that is? How, how is it? Just uh, you don't feel as comfortable on the keyboards? I just never learned it. You know, yeah. I learned guitar leads really young. Uh-huh. You know, I, was, I learned really from uh, Jeff Beck. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. My hero who passed. Oh, right. I mean, he just died recently. He, he was he great. Was my, he was my guitar hero, still is, yeah. always will be. Uh, and, of course, the obvious ones like Hendrix and Clapton, but it was always Jeff Beck. And he once went on record on, in an article, I wish I had the article, that said, I really like that solo that guy did in, 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 I think it's the Ides of March in a song called Vehicle. <laughs> and that's funny because I was channeling him. Wow. Oh, wow. That is funny. 
What a coincidence. Now, is that uh, so? There's this famous 14 seconds that was lost from like the original <laughs> master tape. Was yes. that the, the 14 seconds of uh, your your solo? Of it was, man, I am so blessed because that it was 13 seconds, but let's okay. not quibble. <laughs> but anyway, the the chunk that was erased stopped right at the beginning of my solo. Thank God I never would have played it. That guitar solo, I didn't even know what I was playing. I could barely hear myself in the headphones. And I thought it must have sucked, you know. In fact, I went back a week later with my produce, our producers, and I said, let me do that solo again. And I didn't know why I played, and there was no way it was any good. So my producer goes, let me put up, we didn't erase that solo. Let's make it loud. And that was the solo you hear in Vehicle. It was just a one-off thing. I had to learn it myself. I didn't know what I was doing. Wow, wow. And then that's, and what, I mean, it's, it's goosebumps that Jeff Beck, uh, you know, found oh that to be, you know, one of the, uh, such an in, impressive piece of work. That's that's really amazing. That was incredible. Yeah. And, and then, you know, to, to replace that 13 seconds was, was another miracle because uh, the final take was take two. We had one other take, but in those days you didn't, uh, record to a click track, a metronome, nothing. And we were just so desolate when we found out that the new engineer with the new tape recorder erased 13 seconds. I go out on the street with the guys. Larry stays there. We come back, and guess what? They took 13 seconds from take one, and it fit right in. It was a miracle. Wow, you, wow, yeah. With, with, with no click, no nothing. I just had to sing that part over again, and we were done. That's amazing. I mean, it fit right in there. I, I yeah. understand yeah. the significance of that. That that's really pretty wild. Uh, you yeah. know, these days they could probably try to slow it down oh. to make it fit, but I mean, you know, you're talking about you know literally uh, binding tape together and oh. uh, making it sound good. That, that's well, really right. amazing. I mean, Pro Tools changed everything. It's yeah. so much easier to do edits. You know, I'm reading the. Uh, the George Martin book uh, about recording the Beatles and it, it was so primitive and yet that's how magic happened back then. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I knew you have seen uh, a lot of, of uh, technical progress in uh, music, but one thing that doesn't seem to change that much is, is uh, the guitars. You know, the guitar, physical body of a guitar has remained basically the same since the you know Les Paul since uh, the fifties, right? Well, you know, in fact, the best ones are are the old ones, really. Yeah, uh, and they they have not changed. I mean, you could get fancier guitars, but you know, my favorite guitars are the ones from the fifties and early sixties. I have a a, a rather a huge collection. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. That's yeah, a vintage guitars. In fact, I just did a show called Guitar Madness just three days ago. And, um, you know, it, it was it was a, a benefit show. So, you know, tickets were very expensive. But we did have some hardcore Ides fans there. But overall, it was these high rollers that paid a lot of money to get in and spent a lot of money uh, to to buy, like, a, a session, a, sit in with a session with Jim Peterick and see, see the guitar collection, stuff like that. So it was just a really, really a great show. But in back of me, 
there was three three risers all with uh, 25 vintage guitars and it was um, amazing now uh you have more than 25 last time i have i have 258 so you you haven't stopped um finding fabulous guitars to put into your collection uh, no, I slowed down. I slowed <laughs> down. You know, uh, I mean, I was collecting since I was 11. I didn't know it, except I was never willing to part with the old one. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, do you have favorite ones or do you, you know, like rotate through favorites? I mean, how do you even pick guitars for a particular show? Well, you know, when I go on the road and to shows, I bring great practical guitars i don't bring vintage instruments on the road but i bring things that sound as good as a vintage guitar with the right pickups you know right i mean i if 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 i get a guitar and it's great but the pickups suck i know what to replace them with you know uh and sometimes i'll do that you know i mean there's a lot of great pickup companies that they really match the the fidelity of the old patent applied for humbuckers. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I can see that that they, you know, um, uh, make them to to take to to bring out the best of the older guitars, like retrofitting exactly. them. Yeah, exactly the overtones and uh, they sometimes they age the coils and all sorts of crazy wow. shit. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And amps too. I mean, you know, people are really flocking toward the tube amps, and you know, the older tube amps. I mean, that seems to have like the the, the richest sounds, the fullest sounds. Do you find oh. that to be the case as well? Well, yeah, I, I totally am a believer of tube tube amps. I've never really um, enjoyed a, a transistor amp, although thirty eight special. That's what they used to use with all those hits that I wrote with them. That's transistorized PVs, (laughs) but not for me. Right, right. Uh, So how do you find these um, guitars? Do you go online? Do you go to shows? uh, Well, sometimes they find me. Ah, yeah, sure. Uh, I have a number of dealers that I really like. Well, Accent Hand in the old days in DeKalb, I bought so much. And then the, the owner passed and then the place uh, closed up but i missed the accent hand in, in DeKalb, illinois but uh, you know i've got a, a guy on the west coast i have a guy in florida knows what i like calls me hey uh, jim uh, i got something you might be interested in <laughs> and, yeah. uh, that's always in karen's my wife karen is overhearing it you know in in the kitchen and she's going jim <laughs> You have enough guitars. Yeah. Oh no, another <laughs> guitar. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you know, I, I'm I'm a, a lightweight next to Joe Bonamassa. Oh, does he have a big guitar collection too? I know oh Rick Nielsen's God. got a big guitar collection. He does. He does. But Bonamassa trumps us all. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it's good stuff. But you you know, my son is a great musician, Colin Peterick. He's got uh, one of the top Steely Dan. Uh, tribute bands in the world called, uh, well, in the United States called the Brooklyn Charmers. Oh and, yeah, sure. I've I've heard yeah, of them. They they him. played and at the Acorn. Okay. Yes, they sure did. Yeah. And he's the keyboard player. He's the Fagan who sings and does the keyboards. Oh wow! Super super talented. But he um, stands to inherit all my guitars. And every time I try to sell one, Dad, don't sell any of them. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. do a museum. 
at, at some untimely time when you're not around. I said, God bless you. Just keep collecting. Just keep collecting. That's that, That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, you know which ones to get. I mean, uh, I'm sure that you've probably got some that in looking back, you know, that was, uh, you might look back at it as, oh, I probably might not have gotten that at the time, but that's, that's a, um, that's a sign right there, you know, the, uh, right. of, of your growth as a musician. Well, that's right. And, you know, I still go back to the classics, the Les Paul, the Stratocaster, the Telecaster, the Country Gentleman, uh, you know, the Gretsch line was, was really, really cool. Uh, and then I'm, I'm very light, which means I don't have a lot of uh, acoustics, but I usually lean towards uh, Gibson jumbos like uh, J50s, J45s. Um, and uh, I, I really l- like a, a new uh, Taylor guitar. It's an artist series that it's just Cu- amazing. The custom-made Actually, ones? Or? Yeah, they make them one at a time. It's called the Builder's Edition. Uh, go Go online and check out the builders edition they're all, all made by like one or two guys and they are as good as the best vintage martins you know yeah wow it's really beautiful so do you find that there's you know a particular kind of wood that makes a good acoustic guitar or what what create what makes a good acoustic guitar well it, it used to be um you know that mahogany that they they don't you can't it's an endangered wood now so you can't get, get all that in, in the fingerboards used to be this amazing uh rosewood excuse me rose the rosewood fretboards uh-huh. even rosewood fretboards contribute to the sound uh, or any fretboard but the good rosewood is endangered so now they can't use it which is really a bummer yeah but the old instruments all have if they're not maple neck which are great they have the 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 really really uh, endangered rosewood. Yeah, and those are, are hard to find. The old fenders and stuff like that have them. How many? Uh, you know, I, I know you've written a ton of songs over the years. Have, have any idea how many songs you've actually written? Probably about five thousand that have been copywritten. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that's uh, it's such a production. I, I mean, it's really quite amazing to to have uh, all that come to you like that, you know, how, what is your writing style? You know, how do, how do the well, songs come to you? Yeah, that's, that's a really a long question, but they come from everywhere. I'm driving in the car and just something, I, you know, I don't want to sound too, you know, airy fairy, but sometimes they come from above, you know, absolutely. And you just get signals. And uh, I remember I wrote all of the, well, in the car, I was driving along, and all of a sudden, I just had this inspirational melody. I had a, had a title called The Search is Over, and I didn't know what it meant. Uh, I just knew it was a great title. I'm really a title guy. Sometimes I start songs with titles. And, and all of a sudden, I heard this melody, and it was so strange, because if I had a guitar or a piano in my hand, I never would have written it, because the verse is in a totally different key than the chorus, and the way it modulates... It, it shouldn't work, but if you listen to the searches over, you'll—it's a seamless modulation that shouldn't work. And then, how do you get back to the original key? That works too. I think that's the best song I've ever written. You know, um, I'm very fond of 
I had the Tiger vehicle and so many others, but Search is Over to me is a blessed, a blessed song. When was that one done? Pardon me? What, what, Search is Over, when, what, uh, what year did that one come out? Uh, by Survivor in 19, we just got Jimmy Jameson, so ah, that would have okay. been 83, 84. Ah, okay, wow. Yeah, it was one of the first songs we t- taught him at rehearsal. And he's saying that thing, goosebumps, you yeah. know, just immediate. So you you had a hiatus, I want to say, from about 73 to 90 with Ides of March. Is, am I right about that? Something like that? Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're spot on. And, and uh, uh, yeah, in, in 90, we got a, a message. We got a call from... Uh, the mayor of Berwyn, would you guys consider reuniting for the big summer fair at, uh, in back of Cermak Plaza? And uh, and everybody to the man said, if all the original four guys will do it, we will do it. And nobody said no. And Bob Bergen, Jim Peterick, Mike Borch, and Larry Millis all said yes. And Scott May um, became our, from keyboard that player. moment on, our keyboard player. Uh-huh. And publicist and, you know, everything guy. But that's what started us back, you know, being the Ides of March again. And that, I think that was in 1990. So you had that's a correct. pretty big break in between there. Uh, yeah. And it's nice that you guys all were able to get along and get right back at it. That, well, uh, we never really stopped communicating. And, you know, we used to play each other's birthday parties, just goofing oh, around. Nice. Having fun. but. You're right. We didn't have any real gigs until 1990. How was it that um, that you took the hiatus in 1973? That was to find out what there, what else there was out there. Ah, right. Uh, I played these guys in, with these guys in '64, uh, and I just knew I wanted to work with some other musicians that I could maybe learn even more from. And you were and, 23 uh, years old at the time. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. to have yeah. had that success and, and all that happening up until that time it was pretty amazing. It, it was. And, you know, I, I, it was a sad, a very sad last show. I mean, it was a joyous show. But at the end, I, I remember feeling, am I, what am I crazy? This band is so great. But I, I plowed on and I, I did a solo album called Don't Fight the Feeling in 76 which was, a, I think, a very good album, but didn't do so well. It came out the same week as, as Boston on the same label. <laughs> and uh, I was opening for Boston, uh, but, you know, t- this, the album didn't take off. And uh, I was touring, though, and I got pneumonia, and I was in the hospital going, I'm going to put together the best freaking rock and roll band the world has ever known. And... Uh, after I sobered up off of the coding uh, that they were giving me the hospital, uh, I started calling people. And that's how I put Survivor together. The first guy I called was Dave Bickler, uh, who I was singing jingles with. Uh, and we were across the mic singing, look out for the Schlitzmalt Liquor Bull, you know. Oh, that and, was uh, you guys? <laughs> yep, that's oh, us. Wow. Look out for the bull. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, Frankie Sullivan, he was in a band called Mariah, which I had same manager and I had four songs on their debut album on United Artists actually their own album called him next then uh, Dennis Johnson and, and Gary Smith from the group Chase who I worked with the horn band uh-huh. 
and uh, that was the first Survivor album that, with the girl that looks like um, uh, she she looks like this blonde girl, but she I can't remember who it looks like, but this gorgeous girl on the front. On the back, we're in front of a smoking fuselage of a crashed airplane, like we survived. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but anyway, that was the first album. And then the second album was Premonition, and that was something that Frankie and I produced, and that was a very good album, and it's Summer Nights and Summer's Good Songs. But it got the attention of Tony Scotty, and uh, who, who that was the label that that album was on, and Tony Scotty knew Stallone very well, and that's when he played Stallone uh, a song called Poor Man's Son from Premonition, and Stallone says, well, that's the sound I want for my new movie, Rocky Three." And that's how that all started. Oh, I see. Okay. So, I mean, he, you wrote the song for the movie, basically. It wasn't, yeah, well, yes, it wasn't like it yes. was out there. It didn't exist. He yeah. sent us a rough cut of the movie. I, rated, I rented a Betamax Pro, stick it <laughs> in there, watch Mr. T rising up, see, see uh, Stallone getting kind of soft and doing Master Charge commercials. And I, I had my Les Paul around my neck and he was over and I just started to do it, do it, you know, and and then the punches are being thrown. I'm trying to time the punches with the with the chord. Bump, 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 bump. You know. Yeah. It was just magical, really. Wow, what you know, unbelievable to have had an opportunity like that to uh, to put a song together like that, and and well, it's it, uh, it, persisted. I mean, it's you know such a well-known song and amazing. Well, I could go on. Could I uh, take a pause for a second? I really uh, have to cut this very soon because my wife's got dinner. Um, I don't know how much time they uh, that Scott said we had together. All right, we're back. And, uh, Jim, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, and I'm really excited for your show at the Acorn Theater. Um, that, that's this Saturday, April 22nd. And, um, you know, like we were talking about at the top of the show, this has been um, uh, you've you've played here a number of times and and um, you're looking forward to it. I know that the audience is looking forward to it. It's um, it's a show that that often is just real jam packed, and uh, so uh, really looking forward to that. Well, we are too. Uh, it's an eight o'clock show. Uh, doors at seven. Uh, it's going to be one ninety set a ninety minute set. It, it, and it inevitably goes a bit over, uh, but the uh, the Acorn audience is so great. We can't wait to, to get up there and rock for you. And then we stay, and we sign autographs and sell merch, and uh, it's just a great night. Yeah, well, terrific, and uh, we're really looking forward to it, too. And again, Jim, thank you very much for your time and coming on the show. This has been a real pleasure for me. Yeah, well, Back at you, John. And as I always say, keep rocking. <laughs> keep rocking. You got it. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. That was Jim Peterick at uh, Peterick at um, from from Ides of March. I uh, also was a founder of the band Survivor. Um, we didn't talk about it, but he also you know had a band called Pride Pride of Lions. And I mean, he has written so many songs not just with his bands, but he's co-written with the Beach Boys and he's co-written with, uh, uh, or Brian Wilson, I should say, 
um, co-written with 38 Special, a whole laundry list of outstanding songs that have persisted over time. Uh, I'm going to spend the rest of the show playing some of those songs, so tune in. So I wanted to play some of Jim Peterick's older songs. Here's uh, L.A. Goodbye from the Ides of March, 1971. Wavelength gets a little longer Every time I wave goodbye Hi Sentimental breakdown You know I break down in life Where I'm not supposed to lie My Always seen my softest pillow That was L.A. Goodbye, Jim Peterick and Ides of March. And uh, next song I want to play for you is one that uh, Jim spoke about, one of his uh, earlier um, songs that he wrote, You Wouldn't Listen. Here we go, Ides of March, You Wouldn't Listen.
That was uh, You Wouldn't Listen to Me, uh, another really early song for Jim Peterick and the Ides of March. And the thing that amazes me is that these guys were in high school. You know, they were definitely under 20 at the time that uh, those three songs were were written. And uh, they persist to today. Big, big sellers at the time. And, you know, even with that happening while he was in high school, he finished high school. He went to college. Uh, you know, he definitely had a head on his shoulders and and uh, was really thinking about the future. And uh, this guy's written 5,000 different songs for himself, you know, for his bands, for other people. Uh, he just, you know, these these ideas just keep coming to him. It's really quite amazing. Very impressive. All right. The next song uh, that I'm going to play from Jim Peterick is uh, from his Survivor Days. And uh, we were lucky enough to get a little bit of a rundown as to how he put this song together. Um, you know, he talked about how uh, Sylvester Stallone uh, sat down and said, you know, hey, this, I, I like this sound. And uh, Jim, you know, watching the, the movie was able to come with the, with the, the, uh, the tune and the, and the music uh, or, and the lyrics um, from from watching the song, his getting his impression of what was going on and creating this song around it, and uh, yeah, obviously it's it's such a well known song, everyone's going to appreciate it. And here we go, uh, "Eye of the Tiger," Survivor. <laughs>
And that was Jim Peterick with Survivor and that uh, very well-known song, Eye of the Tiger, one of his, uh, um, one of his pieces that he wrote. Uh, I also want to play another one he wrote, this time with the band 38 Special. He's written a couple with 38 Special, but um, this one I think you're going to recognize. And here we go. This is uh, Hold On Loosely, 38 Special, co-written by Jim Peterick. Yeah. 
That's Hold On Loosely, a uh, 38 special song co-written by Jim Peterick, who is playing with his band, The Ides of March, at the Acorn Theater this Saturday, April 22nd. Uh, doors open at 7, show starts at 8, and uh, look for Jim to uh, do something very special with his guitar. Um, not just the playing, but he's got some trick up his sleeve, and... Um, Looking forward to seeing what uh, what that is. In the meantime, you've been listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. Welcome back. It's been a little while, and uh, happy to, to be back on and uh, doing another show and fortunate enough to get the opportunity to do the show with, with Jim Peterick from Ides of March. And then, of course, you know from the show that Jim Peterick also founded Survivor and uh, has written... Over 5,000 songs. Unbelievable feat. Uh, but the guy's been playing professionally since he's 14 years old. So uh, no surprise there. You're listening to Johnny Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country. Uh, I'm John Goldman. And uh, Radio Harbor Country is WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan. And WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And... Uh, uh, again, welcome back and thanks for everything. We'll see you next time. Take care.